So on this episode of the SBR podcast, I'm really excited to welcome Ted Glick. Ted is the Senior Director of Sales and Service for the Sacramento Republic Football Club. Ted, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's uh, it's fantastic to be here at such an exciting time for our club and such an exciting time for soccer in the U.S. Yeah, you know, I, I completely agree. Um, obviously, if we spoke before, and soccer is a huge passion of mine, especially here in the United States. And let's kind of dive right in there with the first question being Sacramento FC. Tell us a little bit more about, about the club and what it represents out West. Yes, Sacramento is a really special market and, and a really special club. For those that are unfamiliar, we've been on this journey to get into Major League Soccer for quite some time, all the way back to our second or third season back in, in 2015. Um, as a club, we've got really rich tradition and history. We're founded in 2014 in the USL, kind of that second division of, of U.S. Mm-hmm. soccer. And um, the fan base in the market had just done phenomenal things to attract Major League Soccer to come here, from a sellout streak to corporate partnerships to just the the, the community support, what it means. Um, they really vaulted us to the doorstep of MLS. And without our fans, we wouldn't be to where we are. As we head into our eighth year and, and we're navigating you know, COVID just like everyone else, we're really excited that we've got this major league soccer future and a women's team coming as well and so as you look at soccer in sacramento i think the scope of the opportunity is really exciting from the number of players that we have here um to the the last seven years of of what it'll mean um but as we look forward it's going to be a really really exciting time for northern california let's talk about the scope of sacramento republic uh obviously sacramento is a pro sports town um there are other pro sports in town here but what what do you see as a soccer scene it's it's growing um, rapidly nationwide but particular california of course we have la galaxy lafc is there room for a third team in california definitely well when you just look at the size of california as a state as a whole one, we're, we're very well positioned from a market perspective to not cannibalize what the earthquakes are doing and the galaxy are doing. So there's plenty of Excuse fans, me, yeah, plenty of dollars <laughs> to go around for sure. And um, what I'll say about you know Sacramento and, and California is the demographics are really exciting out here. I would argue that we're kind of the breadbasket of U.S. soccer. When you look at the number of youth and registered players here in our backyard, it's the second densest population in the entire country. And so I see us not just generating an incredible fan base, but developing future national team players on the men's and women's inside. So so really exciting time. And, and I think, you know, Sacramento or excuse me, more specifically, California has got room for, for even a few more clubs from my vantage point. Very cool. And you made the jump from the East Coast to the West Coast. Let's talk a little bit about your journey um, as supports a sports business individual. Um, kind of talk about the other teams you've worked for and how you how you moved out West, why you moved out West. Sure. Um, well, I, I would take it, you know, all the way back to my childhood. I grew up in, in sports business and, and my pops worked in minor league baseball. And I actually had to stop in Sacramento when I was a kid. And that's one of the things that really drew me back here in my current position. Um, but one thing I learned through my childhood and through my time at Boston College and internships was that, you know, working for incredible people is what was most important in this business and surrounding myself with great leaders and great teammates. And that's been a constant theme throughout my career. When I was at Boston College, I got some experience in, in soccer with internships mm-hmm. The New York Red Bulls and then Philadelphia Union. And as soon as I graduated, I tried to just, you know, immerse myself with incredible people, leaders and teammates. That led me to the 76ers during a very interesting and historic time for that franchise during the trust the process years. Yeah. I was there during the, the second worst stretch in NBA history on the court, but an incredibly exciting time on the business side is as the season ticket base grew from the fewest to the uh, the fewest in the league, less than 3,000. 
all the way up to a sold out building um, in just a few short years during the, the Ben Simmons and the Embiid and the Nerlens Noel kind of amassing of ping pong balls and talent. Um, so I started there as a salesperson um, and then was, was fortunate to really work my way up through the management ranks there and, and, and um, traded the, the hardwood for the ice, headed up to, to our, our sister company, the New Jersey Devils, spent a couple seasons out there. And, uh, and ultimately, all roads led to Sacramento. And, and what I was looking for as I was leaving Harris Blitzer Sports was, was continuing to work with great people and telling incredible stories. And that's one of the biggest things that led me back out to a place I called home when I was a kid. Let's talk about Harris Blitzer Sports. Um, and let's, let's talk about the direction they're moving in, more or less uh, the scope, right? We, we know they're also affiliated with Crystal Palace. Uh, in the EPL. Um, I'm stationed here in Philadelphia. So obviously I, I know Harris Blitzer very well. Uh, let's talk about your experience with them and how that kind of helped you grow as a sports business person. It, it, to put it lightly, it set the foundation. It was the, the operating system that I amassed or that I you know, created as a professional. Sure. All of that is, is credited to Harris Blitzer Sports, the first leaders that I worked for. Um, it has turned into quite the umbrella of companies, as you mentioned, from Sixers to the New Jersey Devils to Crystal Palace to AHL teams to the G League to esports to a venture capital arm. Um, they've really, you know, turned into, you know, the MSGs, the Cronkies of the world. And um, it was an exciting time to work for them as that, that company, that umbrella was getting formed. Um, they've got big ambitions. They want to they lead the NBA. They want to lead the NHL. They want to lead global sports. And they're not afraid to be the first in a battle. Um, and so what I found working there was, you know, an incredible foundation from a professional skills perspective, an incredible time to work there just as a person going through what the Sixers did on the court, what the Devils did on the ice and, and having an executive team that really shot for the stars. And so I felt like as I worked there, Harris Blitzer is really known for their moonshots and, and being there during that time was really exciting. So it was difficult to leave, but I think an, an incredible spot for anybody to look to start their career. And let's talk about the start of your career, your foundation. Uh, I know you recently had an accolade, uh, you know, you're awarded, if you want to talk about that, uh, the major award in sports business um, from the Sports Business Journal. If I... Sure. No, th thank you for, uh, for mentioning that. But I, I was incredibly honored, surprised and humbled to find out that I was um, a Sports Business Journal New Voices Under 30 Award, a new kind of under 30 class that they created over the course of the last couple of years. And, and frankly, I, I think the reason I won that to put it simply is the people I've worked for and with. Um, I got a lot of credit and, and those type of awards are often the tip of the iceberg for the incredible work behind the scenes of, of everyone that went into it. And so um, I would give the credit to the leaders I work for, the teams that I've worked with and the individuals that, that I've crossed paths with. They've made me look good along the way. They've lifted me up. And, and I think because of the situations and the teams that I found myself on or leading, that's one of the reasons maybe I got that honor. But it certainly was a collective recognition for you know a few years of hard work and, and was surprised and honored to receive it. And now you're leading a different team. And, and yeah. with Sacramento Republic, what exactly are you doing day to day? Sure. So, so my role out here, I oversee the sales service and, and premium wings for um, three different properties. Now we've got the USL, which is, is AAA soccer. And we've got two more seasons in our current minor league stadium that that's been a consistent sellout product since 2014. So we've got to entertain and delight our fans in our two year build up to MLS. And we also have the NWSL, a women's team. And then um, obviously the major league soccer, the big announcement we made last October. And so my role is pretty simple. It's, you know, leading the ship and heading 
us in the right direction. I need to hire, recruit, and develop our sales team and our sales leaders. And my job is to put them in a position to be successful. So I'm, I'm on appointments. I'm helping sell. I'm helping recruit. I'm helping develop the, the plans and then help out execute them. But very fortunate to be here during such an exciting time for the club. And it's to your vision. Uh, you know, I know that part of Major League Soccer in particular yeah. is soccer-specific stadium is massive with, with each franchise. Can you talk a little bit about that process? I don't know if you're involved with that more or less, but that has a big deal when it big deal when it comes to selling tickets. Right. It is. And, and, and when you look at, you know, 2023 and when we join from from uh, St. Louis and Austin and others that are joining, the number of soccer specific stadiums, as you put it, has just grown exponentially. And that's been one of the pieces that MLS 2.0 really looked at to get from, you know, a league in its infancy to its adolescence and our adulthood. And so, you know, we're not playing in the NFL venues. We're not the second fiddle, um, like, a, like many of, of the previous and evolved MLS clubs, like in the past. And so we've got an incredibly um, exciting new home that's going to get broken ground here any month. It'll host 22,000 rabid Sacramentans, yeah. you know, full wraparound roof, a stadium mm-hmm. that's designed an inspiration of European soccer and domestic stadiums. Um, and, and really something state-of-the-art that was built specifically for men's and women's soccer in Sacramento. It's not being retrofitted. It's not being built for concerts as a primary venue. And I think designing a home um, for a team around that is going to have a major home field advantage um, for, for our men's and women's team. So certainly exciting. And, and we're involved in designing that as we speak. You talked about um, MS, MLS excuse me, 2.0 kind of being ushered in. I, I, in my, I personally think we're already there. Um, the, Colum- the Columbus crew, you're seeing those first soccer specific stadiums being kind of phased out, right? Very um, true. Yeah. So all of a sudden Sacramento Republic's coming in, uh, you, you know, obviously we've had Orlando, NYCFC, Inter-Miami, tons of different clubs coming in, yeah. um, expansion franchises. What is MLS's plans when it comes to expansion? At what point will they stop? Do you think? Yeah, it's hard to say. The commissioner's gone on record and said he could see it going beyond 30, which is where we're at right now. The addition of Charlotte after us. Um, This is just me personally speculating. I could see us going to 32 or 34. I think um, there's no shortage of appetite for new cities and markets that want to join and is due to the commercial and the fan success of the league over the last decade. I think you're seeing firsthand Um, You know, the rabid fan bases that are emerging, the growth of ticketing, the growth of corporate partnerships, the growth of eyeballs in the league. And and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. And um, and I see this as really the tipping point for soccer. You've got the World Cup coming in 2026. It obviously is a key point that everyone's looking at. But I also see this as being. Um, you know, kind of the inflection point of that second and third generation of fan folks like yourself and I, that grew up with the, the formation of the MLS and maybe going to games with our parents. We're finally at the point that we've got the discretionary income to start buying our own season tickets and start taking our own kids there. And so just as you pointed the Columbus crew and that first generation of soccer specific stadiums getting phased out for the new, you see that happening with our fans and, and, and finally that second or third generation of fan bringing their kids who are now, you know, buying their own season tickets. So, so um, MLS has kind of been the sport of the future for quite some time or soccer specifically has. And I think we're, we're finally at that tipping point with the World Cup, with the generation of fan and with these new stadiums that are getting ushered in. It's an, a very exciting time for the sport. It's an extremely exciting time. And it, obviously, you're not the sporting director, but I have to ask you, uh, when it comes to Major League Soccer, I think there's been kind of a, a shift Right. And, and ultimately how they bring in players. Typically in the past, it's been known as a retirement league, maybe an MLS 1.0, um, as you want to call it. And now all of a sudden uh, the academy systems are are very much part of uh, this integrated system here in the United States. 
I mean, look at one of your former employers, the Philadelphia Union this year, winning the Supporters' Shield and, and kind of being almost the shining star right now of Major League Soccer when it comes to that. How is Sacramento Republic going to deal with that? Are you, are you looking more at the academy? Are you going to bring players in, veterans? Or is there any direction as of right now? Yeah, I, I think the direction the league is going and certainly the one that, that we're going as well is, is homegrown talent, creating sustainable success on the field for years to come and, and buying and selling, you know, retiring players from Europe just isn't a great formula for success on the pitch and for commercial success to only have people for a couple of years at the twilight of their career. It's great for the headlines and maybe to move a few tickets in the short term, but to really create a sustainable league, I think we have to grow from within mm -hmm. domestically. Um, the Sac Republic, you know, certainly hasn't um, shied away from that. We were one of the first teams in the USL to build, invest our, in our own academy a few years ago. And we're starting to see the fruit of our labor come to fruition with, with homegrown talent that we've been signing to, to two-way contracts at the MLS and USL level. A number of our players have played at the youth national team level and are starting to get first team minutes. And so I think as we look at joining the league in 23, you'll see a lot of faces on that or original roster that are right here from our backyard in Northern California. And, and you see it with some of these teams that are having success, like the union that you pointed to. Now, that wasn't an overnight success story to get the supporter shield. That was, you know, Jay Sugarman and the ownership group investing years ago into that academy in the union. And they're finally seeing it pay off. No different than our owners here in Sacramento, seeing their investment a few years ago pay off this year. Very true. And uh, let's talk about, you said it's one of the most diverse landscapes when it comes to soccer in California, Sacramento. Uh, let's talk about that. I know one big part of expansion franchises in Major League Soccer is the fans have to be there to support the franchise, right? That's something that Don Garber has ushered in as, as part of the expansion system. Talk about that a little bit with Sacramento, uh, the fans. Uh, what's, what's it like as a sports town for anyone like myself who really has never been there, doesn't know much about Sacramento? Sure. And, and what you're what you're referring to, the, the commissioner kind of laid out a three point plan for mm -hmm. for franchises to to win an expansion bid in a market. They were looking at the fan base. They were looking at the market and they were looking at the stadium. Excuse me, the fan base, the stadium and the owner. Excuse me. Um, the owner was the missing piece that we had, um, which we, we solved with Ron Burkle um, that just that, that signed on um, last year to take us to the promised land. But the fan base and the support from Sacramento is the key piece that even got us onto the radar of Major League Soccer. This is um, a market that bleeds Kings purple. Um, they helped save the Kings a number of years ago, and they outpunched their weight class from a sports town perspective. I can see it being the next great American sports town and what it used to be kind of a midway point between, between San Francisco and Tahoe and its own right, Sacramento is really starting to stand on its own as, as a first class city here. Um, the Kings built Golden One Center just a few years ago and helped save the Kings. And, and part of the reason we attracted Major League Soccer was those sellout crowds and the incredible mm -hmm. fan support showing in night out, night out on Saturdays at our, at our minor league level. And so if you haven't been to Sacramento, um, it's an eclectic town. The food, the art, the restaurant um, scene is just unbelievable. And, um, and I think it plays really well into um, the sport of soccer. It's, it was voted America's most diverse city by Time Magazine. And the representation of um, the fans in our stadium really matches what you see on the field or in the locker room, which is uncommon in sports. And so we feel very bullish on, on building this new stadium and filling it with fans for years to come. Very interesting that you say that too. Uh, I think that um, specifically demographically out in California, depending where you are with LA Galaxy, LAFC, they definitely um, 
market themselves and bring in specific players, Latino players, right? Yeah, yeah. Does Sacramento, do you see them doing the same thing or have they been doing the same thing to kind of appeal to the diverse audience and, and um, bring in players that resonate with the fans? Yeah, you know, I'm not involved in the player side, so I can't I can't speak to what our GM has up his sleeve. But what I'll say is if, if we want to grow this club to where it can be, it needs to be representative of our region. Yeah. And you look at someone like LAFC that was born, you know, out of the ashes of Chivas USA. Um, there's no, you know, it's no secret that they've been incredibly successful by by really signing players like Carlos Vela um, and investing in in the in the Latino and the Hispanic market in LA. I think we'd be foolish to not do so. And it, it involves an investment on the player side and, and getting players um, from the Hispanic and Latino market, mm-hmm. but it also involves in us on the business side, investing in, in, in talent on the, the sales, the service, the PR side, and making mm-hmm. sure that we're, we're putting out marketing in both languages and making sure that we're investing in that side of the business. So I think it's a key part of our strategy moving forward and we'd be foolish to not lean into that. Course. And let's talk a little bit about the business side, um, kind of rein it back in here. When it comes to the business of Sacramento Republic and being an expansion franchise, you mentioned you're recruiting uh, potentially sales professionals. Yeah. Can you put a number to the amount of staff that will be added once the transition to Major League Soccer takes place in 2023? Sure. Well, it's, it's as you look across our industry, obviously, everyone, particularly on the revenue side, has been hit pretty hard throughout COVID. But if you if you you know circle the clock back 12 or 24 months, most major league front offices range from 75 to 120, 130 mm-hmm. individuals. We'll certainly be in that um, in that ballpark as we get closer to 2023. Um, we're a small family right now, and we'll grow exponentially between now and stadium opening in 23, getting up to north of that century mark of 100 plus front office and employees. We'll have dedicated folks in the women's side for NWSL, dedicated folks in the men's side for MLS, and in our in our hiring has to match our ambitions on the pitch in the league. So we'll certainly um, we'll certainly look to to not just acquire but retain top talent on the business side. Let's talk a little bit about the NWSL team. So you said that will be an affiliate affiliate team of Sacramento Republic? Yes. Yeah. The, the commissioner um, just confirmed that this week, actually, and we're incredibly bullish about women's soccer. And I would argue that the NWSL had the best summer of any professional sports league in the U.S., seeing what they did with the Challenge Cup, seeing how they adapted, seeing how they handled some of the social justice issues. And we feel so fortunate to be welcomed into the league as the 12th team. Do you see any specific rivals right now for Sacramento Republic early on? I know it's kind of it's. I feel like I feel like they push the LA Galaxy, LAFC rivalry, and it's yeah, still yeah. kind of a little premature. But how about Sacramento Republic? Who do you see potentially being your big rival in MLS? Yeah, so on, on the women's side, I can answer that unequivocally. It's Angel City, the the 11th team that will be joining with us in 2022. Really cool. And you look back, I still think the most underrated rivalry in sports was the Sac Kings and L.A. Lakers back in the day. And so L.A. and Sacramento certainly have a little brother, big brother type of vibe, and, and they'll be a big rival on the women's side. LA Galaxy, LAFC will obviously certainly be in the mix as well, but I see the San Jose Earthquakes as being our premier rival, you know, just a stone's throw away from us in, in the in the Silicon Valley in the Bay. Um, and, and there's certainly some banter and trash talk already amongst our supporters group. So um, that's one of the benefits of the number of California teams. There will be no shortage of rivals and storylines for us. We're kind of jumping around here a little bit, but when it comes from a marketing perspective, are you looking to keep the same colors, the same crest and everything when you move to MLS? Will there be any changes? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's one of the things that that really resonated with our fan base. And, and not to give you the cliche, but this club was formed for the people, by the people, you know, back during a time where the country was really hurting. And um, the, the, the vision of the original founders was to build a cathedral, a watering hole that Sacramento could come arm in and arm out, regardless of what zip code, what color of your skin, uh, how much money you made. And that certainly is materialized. And one of the reasons we've resonated is the branding of the club, the inclusivity of the club, sure. And, sure. and even the name Republic um, has, you know, in, in the California's capital is one of the reasons that we've really resonated and had such an incredible history. And so we'd be foolish to, to go away from of, of what this special branding that we've built. So we'll be elevated as the Sacramento Republic. Our primary colors will certainly remain the same. And this will be an evolution of the brand instead of, um, you know, a, um, a departure from the brand. So I think our fans will be very excited about the the um, the new direction and the elevation of what we've done, but it certainly will be born out of the um, um, out of of the incredible fan base in the Republic that we've already built. And you see that across MLS. Uh, typically, I'm not going to name any specific teams, but sometimes when um, expansion franchises do come into MLS, when they're created out of nothing, the fans have a tendency to kind of back off. But you know, Seattle Sounders existed prior to uh, you know their existence or moving into MLS. The Sounders, the Timbers, yeah. the yeah. the Whitecaps. You look at Orlando City, or even um, Orlando City that just like us got promoted from USL to the top flight. Exactly. You look at Minneapolis that went from NASL to um, to MLS. I think you know evolving the rabid fan base you already have is is a key driver of what we're going to do as well. So one thing I do know about Sacramento Republic is from watching highlights, there's a large Ferris wheel, I feel like, if I remember this correctly. Am I, am yeah, I yeah, completely yeah. off base here? What it, What is that? And is, is that a park or what's what's that set up? Will the, will the new stadium integrate that by any chance? Uh, I don't, maybe we'll throw a Ferris wheel up. That's an idea. So, I, I just, I just um, don't, I always, I always think of that when I think of Sacramento Republic. It's an iconic photo. And so to give you the backstory, we play um, in Cal Expo, which is a massive development that hosts fair, RV, wedding shows. I mean, you name it, any big event that comes through the California's capital is hosted here at Cal Expo. And the state fair is one of the big ones. And so during the summer, we typically have two, sometimes three games that cross over for it. And it's one of the coolest things I've been a part of that we're able to offer um, a double header ticket. Your ticket to your to the Republic men's soccer game gets you into the state fair throughout the game. Oh, and so wow. we'll have somebody come a couple hours early, enjoy the Ferris wheel, crush a funnel cake, and then come in and watch some soccer and later that night and it makes for a great photo and it makes for a really cool couple Saturdays for sure. Could make for a really cool, cool alternate Jersey too, potentially, you know, something like celebrate, celebrating that. the expo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Hey, listen, if there's anyone else out there listening right now, what advice do you have for them? Uh, someone who maybe wants to uh, work in soccer, work in MLS or any professional sports franchise. Sure. So I, I, there's a number of ways you could take this. I think where I would start is, you know, getting into sports, I would encourage everyone to have a ton of optimism long term with a lot of realism short term. And what I mean by that is, you know, our industry is going nowhere. The New York Yankees, the, the Red Sox and others have survived world wars and pandemics and recessions and depressions. Mm -hmm. Fans are going to get shoulder to shoulder. And the, the entertainment industry is going to surge when we come out of the other side of the virus. In the short term, though, it's a difficult job hunt. There's more teams that are that are that are shrinking than growing right now. And so I would encourage everyone to really keep, you know, a gritty and open mind and, and some resourcefulness in the short term. 
Um, but what I'll say is I think it's really important that you align yourself with great people. You, you attach yourself to, to great front offices that are going to help you grow. And, and I think the biggest piece of advice I'd have is ignore the logo of the first team or league that you work for and really focus on who you're going to be working with. Sports business is exactly that business. And every team is created a little bit differently. And, and oftentimes, you know, the wins and losses don't dictate um, the success off the court or vice versa. And I think it's really important that you look beyond the headlines, you look beyond the logo to really establish a great first foundation with wherever you go. It's great advice. And I really appreciate your time here. I'm, I have to say, I popped up on LinkedIn. It's your birthday today, too? It is. Yeah, so I, big, I, big two nine. Yeah. I appreciate you joining me on your birthday. I really do. Um, so, you know, hopefully you celebrate your 29th birthday tonight. And uh, once again, Ted, thank you so much for joining me here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. And, and b- before we wrap, I think the last thing I'd leave you with is I think for anyone that, that's looking to get into sports business is eager. I would encourage everyone to have that athlete's mentality of, of that growth mindset, never being mm-hmm. satisfied with where you are. And, and I know you and I caught up on this on our last call. I'll throw a local Philadelphia legend out there, Kobe Bryant from Lower Marion, yeah. having that Mamba mentality of never being satisfied, whether you won the MVP, whether your team won the championship, whether you just got a promotion, whether you made a big sale, whether you're looking to get your foot in the door of the industry. I think if you have that athlete's mentality of continuous improvement, working on your game, watching the game tape and improving, good things are going to happen. And I found that the teammates I've worked with that have gone farthest in this business and have been the most successful are the ones that are more worried about out developing, out learning, out progressing the competition than out selling or outperforming them. And the example I use there is it's the athletes that's more worried about, you know, developing their game than padding the stat sheet every year. And, and I think for anybody looking to get into the business, it's going to be um, a strange few months and a strange few years. And if you focus on the foundation, developing a great operating system, um, really, really developing sustainable skills, you're going to have a long and healthy career. Don't get tripped up with, with the short-term hurdles and the short-term headlines. That's great advice. And I think that Sacramento Republic is in great hands with uh, your leadership there. So, Ted, once again, I, I appreciate, uh, really, I really do appreciate you joining us on your birthday. And I wish you the best of luck. 100%. Well, thank you so much for having me, Brian. Always looking to connect with folks offline. So if I can help anyone break into the business, help anyone find their next role, always looking to pay it forward. So how would they go about contacting you? Yeah. So I I would say a few different ways. I put most of my public contact info on LinkedIn. You can reach out directly to my email, my phone number that are on there, or just slide into my DMs on LinkedIn. I'm always looking to connect on and offline and, um, you know, never, never, uh, never a shortage of time to grab a, a coffee virtually or in person. Fantastic. Well, Ted, thanks again and have a great night. Yes, you too. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to check out more content, please remember to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the handle at SBR underscore podcast. We are now active on YouTube at Sports Business Review. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Facebook and LinkedIn at the same name, Sports Business Review. If you feel the need to provide any further feedback or you'd like to be featured on a future episode, please visit www.sportsbusinessreview.com the official home of the SBR podcast. Once again, my name is Brian McDonough and have a great week, everyone.